Hey East Meets West listeners, in this episode, Albert and I dive into the recent surge of NVIDIA's share price and break down how this is a canary in the coal mine for AI and the growing generative AI industry. A reminder to check out the show notes for a link to our deep dive into NVIDIA if you need a refresher. Keep listening and enjoy. Welcome to the East Meets West podcast, a podcast about understanding Asia tech and how Asia tech affects the world. My name is Dan. Joining me, as always, Albert, how are you? Dan, I'm going good, Mr. Worldwide. Once again, you are flying in and out. Where are you off to now? (laughs) I'm in Jakarta at the moment and about to fly back to Jakarta. Uh, It's one of those odd situations where my taxis and trains to the airport are going to be longer than my flight, but uh, such is life in Indonesia at the moment. Nice, nice. Um, Always good to have you kind of in and out. I'm always, almost always in Sydney, uh, which makes it less exciting, but I think we've got a pretty exciting one to talk about today. This is a really exciting one. Like I was just browsing the news, sort of looking for episode ideas. And obviously sometimes, you know, we're just looking a little bit ahead and other times it's a bit like breaking news. And I think in this case, it kind of compels us to talk about it. And we have been talking about chips for a long time. We have been talking about NVIDIA and what they do for a long time. But they've recently just had a big spike, about 24% rise in their share price because they released new guidance Uh, about their forecast for the next three months ending in July, which came in about 50% higher than was previously thought. And just to give some context about the size of like this this value add, this new valuation essentially, it's greater than the entire value of Intel or Qualcomm, which are other sort of competitors of NVIDIA in the chip space in one day. Like that's just huge. And it talks about the potential that NVIDIA has. Albert, dive in. Where do you want to take this? Yeah, so awesome um, overview, and I think good to contextualize like where NVIDIA sits and how large it is. I think I read a stat uh, this morning that was like, it's the seventh most valuable company in the world, now more valuable than things like, you know, Facebook, etc. Um, I think what's worth probably contextualizing is like what's made NVIDIA um, probably high in demand by investors, but also what the market's expecting out of NVIDIA. And so if anyone wants to deep dive into what NVIDIA does, we've obviously got an episode of about NVIDIA that talks through their business, the data centers, the gaming section of their business, and then how they transformed predominantly from a gaming GPU business into what's probably the picks and shovels of machine learning and AI right now. I think if you've been living under a rock, you probably haven't seen the giant boom in generative AI, but there's been a big demand for leveraging you know, large language models and generative AI to start to build a lot of different either applications or do uh, a lot of cool content creation. And NVIDIA has positioned themselves uh, through both the the GPU side, the data center side, the high performance computing side, as well as some of their cloud services that we'll talk to about. But that's what's really driving their strong performance uh, in this past quarter. Yeah, to put it, I think, really, really simply, if you're running a chat GPT-like service or BARD for you know, Microsoft, if you're doing any of these generative AI projects, NVIDIA computer chips are the essential hardware for you to use. Like in, in terms of the value add that NVIDIA has compared to others, it is multiples better in terms of performance uh, and they're absolutely the cutting edge. So at the moment, you know, these are some 
reports from industry insiders, but they think for machine learning, NVIDIA has 95% of the GPU market. So they are absolutely dominant. And when you start thinking about them supplying, as you've often said, Albert, the picks and shovels for this kind of revolution, they're they really got control of the supply and there's a ton, a ton of demand and a backlog of orders for their products. Yeah. So I think it's probably worth talking about the two different ways NVIDIA support and play as the picks and shovels of AI. So the first is NVIDIA's traditional business uh, is kind of broken down into their data center business. And then uh, I guess for lack of a better word, they're like high performance compute. So on the data center business, they build uh, at volume, these GPUs that they put into data centers. So if you think about a data center, it's kind of like a warehouse of computers. The computers don't have monitors, but it's just all the hardware and infrastructure that you'd expect to run uh, computers. And then within that, they've got these graphical performance units, GPUs, or graphical processing units, sorry, that enable these computers to do shitloads or, or bucket loads of calculations. And so NVIDIA support the creation of these data centers by adding their GPUs that can do like highly optimized calculations. When you've got uh, AI and when you've, you know, trying to run an AI application, that is using calculations to predict something. That's how AI works. And in order to predict that, you need a large amount of compute. So NVIDIA literally build the computer chips that enable someone to run AI or to run AI models. So that, that's like the first way is they build the hardware. The second is something that's causing a lot of buzz is uh, a new part of NVIDIA that they're pushing forward and they, they recently announced it this quarter, which is NVIDIA Picasso. And NVIDIA Picasso is kind of like an out-of-the-box generative AI uh, model that enables people to use uh, NVIDIA's kind of algorithm and model to then build AI applications. So what it is, it's a cloud software cloud service where people can plug into it. So either businesses or software creators, content creators, service providers can then take the model, train it to either build images or videos or 3D pictures, or they can just use it out of the box. And so what it lets you do is it lets you do uh, text image. So you can type something like, show me a picture of a frog. And it'll show you a picture of a frog. It can also do text to video. So make that frog dance, and then I'll make a video of that dancing. And then I'll also render things in three dimension. So you can say like, show me a picture of the Colosseum in 3D, and I'll show you a three dimensional picture of the Colosseum so that when you rotate it, it's showing all sides of the Colosseum and things like that. So it's not too different from something like Midjourney or DALI, but now this is something that someone who is familiar with NVIDIA can plug into to start to build applications. Yeah, and I think we need to take a step back to understand, because when you have a share price sort of rise of this much, it's because there's a, an element of surprise and unexpectedness about this. And so I really want to put that into context where you know, the key chip we're talking about is the H100, which is one of the most powerful processes they've built. They're about $40,000 each. Uh, and when they started this in 2022, it wasn't seen as the best time. Like there's all this inflation, businesses are cutting back spend. And it's really this, oh, we all saw it, the boom of ChatGPT really capturing the hearts and minds of people and bolstering this sort of momentum towards generative AI. 
that's what's caused that kind of step change where there was initial calculations, predictions, forecasts of how their sales were going to go. And then this radically changing it in the last six to 12 months. And, you know, this, this chip, this H100 is like 80 billion transistors on it, five times as many processors as the latest iPhones, twice as expensive, three times better performance than other sort of competitive um, products on the market at the moment. So that's to give you an idea of, you know, they've been leaning into AI, but it, was, it wasn't necessarily going to be successful until AI sort of found them with chat GPT and everything else coming through. So to me, this is like it's one of those just in the right place at the right time. They prepared for it, but they didn't know it was actually going to come to fruition. And it's really cool to see everything sort of form a perfect storm for NVIDIA. Yeah. Uh, the H100 is such a good call out. There's lots of like technical ways people compare GPUs around like the type of commute, compute, how many parameters. But I think what's worth noting, uh, even just at a super high level, is that this is an incredibly fast processing GPU that kind of just blows a lot of other GPUs uh, that are being used in data centers out the water. I think based on their kind of performance benchmarking, it's like up to three to nine X faster than other GPUs in market. And when it comes to processing large amounts of data, this is NVIDIA's competitive advantage, which is they can just process information faster at scale, which means for large language models and for generative AI, they can do that much faster at scale for their customers. So one of the things I wanted to spin forward, Albert, is just sort of looking at, well, what's the ripple effects of this? I've got a couple that come to mind, but why don't you lead us off? What's some of the consequences of this big shift that NVIDIA is at the forefront of? Yeah. So I think if anyone uh, hasn't yet used it, you can't unfortunately use Midjourney for free anymore. It's now paid for. But if you go to Midjourney previously, you could type something into their Discord and it would generate an image for you using their generative AI large language model. I think the challenge with that is it takes a bit of time. So sometimes it takes a few minutes, sometimes it takes, you know, maybe 10 minutes to generate something. And that's not really that useful when you're trying to generate images at scale. So say if you're someone who is in marketing and then you're trying to develop bespoke marketing content for a specific type of customer or maybe for an individual customer, you've got to build a lot of content at scale. Now, one of the things that this kind of GPU enables them to do is it enables them to not only build this content at scale, because it's a service that NVIDIA wraps around with their Picasso, it means that they can start to plug into other applications. So um, one of the partnerships NVIDIA has is with Adobe. Now they've embedded Picasso into Adobe, so you can do generative AI within Adobe. So an example that they used in a video I watched was they had a picture of someone who was riding a bike across the street. They said, Gener uh, show, show me or build into this picture bike lanes. And then it automatically built bike lanes to show that this cyclist was riding not just on a street, but on a bike lane. And so there's kind of a two-pronged approach now or a two-pronged ripple effect, which is one, people can either use NVIDIA to build their own models or they can now plug in NVIDIA with Picasso into their own applications. That's a, a really, really cool example. 
Uh, one of the things I was looking at, I guess more on the, the hardware side, is obviously there's been a bit of a boost to TSMC, uh, a company which we've covered many times before. Listeners who have listened to those episodes will be aware, NVIDIA, a little bit more of the designer of the chips, but when it comes to actual fabrication, you are looking at TSMC. So one of the big things for NVIDIA is their partnership with TSMC so that not only do they have this massive demand, but TSMC has to be pumping out the chips so they can supply that demand. I think the wait time for the H100 was you know, around six months to get a couple thousand of them for some customers. So to me, an interesting ripple effect is just seeing all this pent-up demand, but it's going to be kind of worthless unless TSMC can get those chips out the door, which current indications are that they can, but that's just going to be a little thing to watch as well. Yeah, I think it, it's super interesting in that NVIDIA still haven't fully integrated as the manufacturer. And I'm not sure whether given the demand for chips and all their designs, particularly in the generative AI, the AI space, will force them to do that when there's a backlog. Obviously, TMS, TSMC and NVIDIA have a very strong relationship. But I think for NVIDIA to really like keep pushing, maybe it's something that they think about is like, how do they start to control that, even though it is very difficult to manufacture and, and, and run your own fabs, um, whether it's something that they are constantly thinking about or whether they're just happy to palm off. Yeah, one of the other things I'm looking at is just the competitor scene. We mentioned NVIDIA clearly at the forefront and some analysts are sort of saying that they're basically two years ahead of, of anyone else. But one of the, I guess, um, markets functions that you'll start to see play out is you've got your your big ai projects which are obviously going to want to use the best in class products which is nvidia but as the marketplace builds out projects are going to look for more cost effective solutions uh, and that's where you start to have some of these other players crop up looking at that longer tail and it's just something to note that google has got a tensor processing unit that's you know particularly focusing on training ai models Microsoft is reportedly developing an AI chip. Meta has its own AI chip project as well. So, you know, these aren't, you know, unfamiliar names, but it's interesting now to see other players are going to start jumping in the pool with NVIDIA. Yeah. Um, and there's two ways I think about competition. The first is like on the chip side and the design of the chip. And obviously NVIDIA is pretty far ahead, but there's a lot of smart people who works at all those companies. The second is on like the generative AI model lens. So when we talk about like Picasso being embedded into Adobe, to me, I guess my hypothesis is that once that's embedded in Adobe, like you're probably not going to pull that out to put a different API in. And so if Picasso is already embedded in Adobe as a generative AI model, I, I don't know if they're going to switch out at some point in the future to say like OpenAI or to DALI or something like that. Because now they've built an application with this as a critical part of that infrastructure. That's such a good call out because what comes to mind is, you know, this idea of, you know, you can be the best or you can be first. In this case, NVIDIA is both. Uh, and the comparison I think of is like Ethereum. From being first, they just had so much of the, the crypto projects, etc., built on their system before the Solanas, the Cardano and other ones came up that even now the other projects are still trying to overcome that just initial um, lead that they had. And if it takes two years for some of these other products to sort of hit the market, just imagine how many AI products are cropping up now, are getting funding now, and will all base their product on the NVIDIA chips currently. Yeah. 
I think about it as like your phone service, right? Like if your um, phone is the application and then your phone provider, your telco provider is say NVIDIA Picasso, even if you're not getting the absolute best reception, if you're getting good enough reception, you're probably not going to change that because the pain of changing your phone surface is quite large. And and similarly, like, even if you've got, you might have the best now with NVIDIA, but even if you don't have the best in 10 years' time, because your users understand NVIDIA, because it's built into your app, because your developers are building on top of it, it's probably not going to get ripped out. All right, Albert, final thoughts. Yeah, I think NVIDIA is doing incredibly well. They're pushing in all the right places. They're pushing in infrastructure. They're pushing in enterprise. They're pushing in generative AI. Like, other parts of their business have been down, you know, like gaming and, and professional visualization. Uh, but maybe as they've found a new area of the market for value creation, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where NVIDIA takes us next. Um, it, it's kind of a, one of those ones where I want to revisit in a year, year and a half, because we need to give it time to breathe. Because frankly, they are ahead. It's so clear that they're ahead. Um, and I said to you before we started recording, Albert, if anyone is interested in the AI space, the generative AI space, you kind of have to think using your picks and shovels analogy, Albert, NVIDIA is the tip of the spear. Like it's very much a bellwether of how the industry is doing, which I think is just a nice way to sum up NVIDIA's place in what we're thinking about um, in some of the movements in the market potentially going to be the next trillion dollar company joining companies like Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon. Let's hope. Um, I think it's a very exciting company. Okay, Albert, let's finish up there. Thank you for listening to the East Meets West podcast, podcast about understanding Asia tech and how it affects the world. Rate, support the pod, follow, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. (laughs) 